Welcome to another episode of the Dida podcast. I'm really excited to be joined by today's guest. Um, so to our guest, you kind of know the spiel of what we're doing today, where we're going to be going, and kind of the threads we're going to be pulling on. But before I introduce you, obviously we're not going to say your name because that's kind of how we do things here. So I am going to put you on the spot, and I'm going to ask for you to kind of come up with your alter ego for today's episode, your pen name, your um, secret identity, whatever you want to call it. But who are we going to refer to you as today? Mm, I love this question. I think I'll be Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. I like that Rachel is kind of one of those names that I feel like it suits me, but it's also a generalizable name. It's really common. Okay. That's fair. That makes sense. I think it's a good solid name. All right, Rachel. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know anything about you really, Rachel, yet to this point. And our goal is to kind of obviously have, you know, that be changed by the end of this episode. So as we dig in, why don't we start with um, asking if you can kind of give us a snapshot of your life today, where that is currently. It could be as vague or as detailed as you want. It could be abstract. You could focus on one specific thing. But if you were to say, okay, this is a snapshot of, of me and whatever that means, as far as my identity goes, what would you say? Oh, wow. What a question. I didn't expect to be put on the spot like this. (laughs) Um, Okay. A snapshot of myself. Well, I am a teacher, so I have a day job, but it doesn't feel like my biggest calling in life. Um, I definitely am someone who's very passionate about her hobbies. So I have a lot of hobbies. Um, I'm really active. I have a active spiritual life and spiritual practice. Um, I really enjoy spending time with my friends and uh, different creative outlets also. Oh, awesome. Um, and kind of, you know, going off of the snapshot thing, if we're going to get a little more specific, mm-hmm. um, what would you say the cliff notes of your uh, let's say romantic life look uh, like <laughs> the cliff uh-huh. notes of my romantic life. Okay, so um, romantically, I would classify myself as sort of a complex person. Um, I've had a lot of different experiences romantically. I was in a long-term relationship for most of my twenties with a really kind, really beautiful man who ended up um, coming out as trans. And transitioning during our relationship. Um, and then our, our relationship ended because, you know, they just kind of had to explore the world more um, in this new skin. And then I met a really <laughs> seemingly nice Jewish boy. Um, <laughs> and uh, he ended up proposing marriage pretty quickly wow. and uh, we got married. And I was married for not very long, maybe um, it was less than two years, like a year and a half. And it didn't go very well. And (laughs) I left him and I'm now divorced. And um, then I didn't date at all for a year. And this past year has really been my first time actively dating. Mm, Okay, wow. And what has that so what has that been like really? And, and talk about a, a first year to be actively dating. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so this is interesting because you're not someone who's like really dived into this like at 16, 17, 18 and saw it through those eyes. But you're now someone who has a much better idea of who you are as a person and like, you know, your 
you know, the idea of maybe a little clearer of the world around you and what you want. Um, so what has that been like? Yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, it's funny because I, I really never dated before. I met men who I wanted to be in relationship with just very easily. In fact, between my last two relationships, I was only single for two weeks, which, uh, you know, in retrospect, (laughs) it's kind of a red flag, but, (laughs) um, dating now has been, I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting and it feels challenging in a certain way because it's so easy. Um, that feels really easy to kind of keep multiple people on some kind of a string. And then sometimes confusing things happen. Like I've had two experiences where, you know, I'll meet a guy online and he's really interested in me and I'm not that interested. And then he'll like really pursue me, you know, like every day, multiple text messages, like, oh, please, like, just give me a chance. Like, you'll see how great I am, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I'll, I'll say, okay, fine. You know, like weeks have gone by, they're like really pursuing it. Let's go on a date. And, uh, this has happened twice, but I'll talk about one specific experience right now with this guy, like, you know, nice Jewish guy from San Francisco <laughs> is like very insistent that we had a lot in common and was like very excited to meet me. So I agree. Finally, after weeks of him pursuing me, we have a FaceTime date. And I realized during that FaceTime date, this guy is actually really cool. Like I'm attracted to him and he's interesting and he's mm. someone I would like to get to know better. Um, and we texted for maybe another day and then he just ghosted me like completely out of the blue. And I felt so confused because he had been like really pursuing me, like even like texting me while he's driving because he like supposedly can't wait and then just ghost. Um, yeah. How does that work? It's like the second you finally say, okay. And then he's like, no, now I'm changing my mind. (laughs) What Um, is that? Wow. Yeah. But so, and there's a little bit to unpack here. So the idea of being like persistent, which I think like is what you see in the movies all the time, like stand outside your house with a boombox. I feel like that doesn't always work in real life. It actually comes off as like desperate and creepy and, and it's like a red flag, but you're saying in some ways there is hope for like persistence, I guess. Well, yeah, I think it's definitely a red flag. It, for me, it's a red flag in two ways. In one way, it's a red flag because I think it establishes not a great dynamic for the relationship, right? Like it establishes a weird kind of a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. But on a deeper level, to me, it's a red flag because what is it? Well, I think it's a red flag because men who are really pursuing me like that straight out of the gate don't know me very well. And so what I've realized is that they have created an image of me in their minds and they think I'm that woman, the woman that they made up. And, um, the red flag there is that if they ever do actually meet you, they'll realize that you're not the woman they made up. And that just kind of sets yeah. everybody else, everybody up for heartbreak, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. So you finally like agree to give uh, SF guy a chance. And then, and then he you're kind of getting excited. Yeah. yeah. And then this is the weirdest <laughs> part of the story. Okay. So yeah. he, he ghosted me and I'm feeling really confused because I was just starting to get excited about this guy. Like, in fact, <laughs> you know, not to be too graphic, but the last message he sent me was mm-hmm. like, uh, like 
you know, X-rated film (laughs) of himself. And like, Mm -hmm. like, he went Mm -hmm. from that to just ghosting. Wait, and you're saying you're just starting to get excited about this guy. So you're saying that was a positive move to do. If if we're watching in the stands, we're trying to get advice and insights. Well, he asked my permission first. He said like, you know, can I, can I show you what I look like naked? And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) You're pretty hot on the FaceTime call. And so, um, but you still feel like the ball is fully in your court because you're like, okay, I have all the power. I'm agreeing to give him a chance. So this is kind of out of nowhere. That's what I thought. Yeah. And then he just ghosted me. And then, so the story actually continues from there. Um, I was confused as like, I texted him like, Hey, what's up? Like, how come? Like literally he said, like, I can't wait till I get home to like text you more. So he was driving and then just never, ever got back to me. And I texted him once or twice, like, Hey, are you okay? Like, just let me know. Like, I'm worried about you. Um, no response. I complained to my friend about it. My friend was like, well, let me text him from a different number. <laughs> my friend texted him like, hey, are we still on for tonight? He texted my friend back right away. No problem. <laughs> so I was like, all right, like this guy has ghosted me and I kind of washed my hands of it. And then three weeks later, out of the blue, he reaches out to me again. And he said that uh, he was like, hey, I'm really sorry I disappeared. I uh, was chatting with this other woman and, uh, you know, I was wanted to see where that went and I feel a little intimidated by you and I'm sorry I dropped the ball, but, you know, I'm interested in getting to know you again. Hmm. And, uh, and what did you say to that? I was happy to hear from him in the sense that uh, ghosting just feels so strange. Like, I don't know why anybody does that. Just give a reason, you know, just reject me. Be like, hey, I met this other woman. I'll let you know if anything changes. Yeah, why couldn't he said that the first time around? Exactly, especially because I texted him a couple of times being like, hey, like, can you just check in with me? Like, just let me know what's going on. You know, I was reading the news to see if any terrible car accidents happened. Yeah, especially as you mentioned, he's like texting you as he's driving. That makes me think like. Right. Like Like I almost started calling hospitals. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, like throw me a bone. Um, Especially because he really pursued me. You know, it's not like he was eager in one hinge app conversation. He like really pursued me over weeks. Um, Anyway, so that was confusing. Ultimately, um, yeah, I wasn't interested when he came back. (laughs) (laughs) Probably sounds like the right move. But let's take a second to like talk about about ghosting and this like term that's kind of been ubiquitous with like I guess dating these days. And it's it seems so strange when you can like yeah get to really know someone and have these long conversations and like seem to really care about a person in their life and then all of a sudden it's totally okay and like you know a normal thing to do is just flip a switch and and like wipe them out of your existence. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what do you make of that? Um yeah, it's a it's a really great topic to talk about, you know. I have a lot of thoughts on it. <laughs> Step one is I think it's just cowardly and we should not do it um, to whatever extent possible, you know. But step two is I think it's kind of interesting um, to think about how social media and these apps are really affecting our social worlds. Uh Um, Particularly now during COVID, it's really strange because all of our relationships have been flattened in this specific way where it doesn't matter how deep your relationship is or your connection is with someone, we're all just appearing to each other on these screens. Um, you know, and, and I think that it, it creates a lot of confusion in two ways. The first way is that, 
you know, through these screens and the apps, it gives us this false impression that everyone is disposable. You know, I can get rid of this guy and there will be 20 more tomorrow. So like, why, why does he have any value whatsoever? Yeah, that's really well said. I think that's exactly right. It's this idea of like, and it shows that these relationships really like, what do they, how do we really value them? What do they really mean when um, you can just turn it off and move on like it's nothing, like it's a video game character mm-hmm. or something. Totally. And on the flip side, the weird thing is that now the complete opposite is also true because during COVID, all of our relationships occur in the same format. So in the same way that I'm meeting some random guy for a first FaceTime date on my phone, I also talk to my mother on the same screen and my therapist in the same format. And so I think what really sets a lot of people up for like deep heartbreak is that the same mechanism that can make some of us feel like, oh, these really these interactions are not significant is exactly the same mechanism that can make others feel like these interactions are really significant. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, because whereas like you maybe reserve your real inter- interactions for like real real life when I'm with my mom or with you know my siblings or my best friends now if it's all kind of an equal loving playing field in the digital world it's kind of like how do you differentiate now it's all kind of swirled together yeah I was um I was on the phone with a close friend of mine last week and she was you know really upset like crying to me on the phone because this guy who she had been talking to for a couple weeks all of a sudden was you know withdrawing from her and she could feel that she didn't understand it and there was all of this self-judgment of you know, why do I feel so connected to this person? We've only been texting and video calling. We've never even met in real life. And, you know, how could I have this connection, this attachment? And yet all of our emotional connections are taking place over this medium right now. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, it's a real, <laughs> it's a real mind mm-hmm. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, what do you think of this game as far as, like, say you're talking to someone and you could feel them withdrawing? Like, we've all felt this, like, cat and mouse thing, and there's always, like, this game that some say you're supposed to play, which I think we all absolutely hate, but I think it's, like, it exists for a reason, and we're all kind of, you know, slaves to psychology on some level um, when it comes to, like, wanting what you can't have and, and wanting that more, especially when you know you can't have it. Like, have you experienced that? Have you been on either side of that coin in, in any way? I've definitely, I have definitely experienced that um, from a lot of angles, to be honest. I think, you know, I've definitely experienced the, what is this, it's like an archetype or something, like particularly in men, I notice, like some men really just want to pursue. And when I get that vibe, I kind of, you know, I'm old enough now that I know the rules of that game. And I know that I can have his attention as long as I reject him. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, but it's true. Like, I mean, I even I can admit from my side, I, mm-hmm. I know I'm I'm victim to that kind of phenomenon too, where it's like the more I know that like something is is easily there, readily available, the less like you're excited to go after it. And and then on the other side, like yeah, the one you're chasing, you really value it more, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I personally find that um, I feel the opposite, like when I sense that someone is really there and that it doesn't matter what my action is, that they'll be there for me no matter what, that's when I start to really open up to people and feel closeness. Um, Whereas when I get the vibe, which I do get sometimes, that 
you know, some men are really into it for the chase, I will play that game, but that will never become a significant relationship. Hmm. But you'll, so you'll, you won't dismiss them right away. You just know going in to have a little bit of walls up, you're saying. Well, sometimes, you know, each relationship is valuable in its own way, right? And sometimes I want to play a game too. <laughs> you know, like I'm also bored and trapped mm-hmm. in social isolation and can't go yeah. to bars. And, you know, like I think there is a value to kind of meaningless flirtation, just kind of distracty kind of connections. <laughs> Yeah. And what would it ever go beyond like the meaningless flirtation into meaningless, let's say, like physical interactions for you? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story of um, hmm, maybe eight months ago, I met a guy at a friend's you know dinner party and I liked him. He had a cool vibe. I was, you know, not looking for anything monogamous. I was still very much feeling like I wanted to be my own self and independent, but, um, you know, he was kind and cute. And so I asked my friend (laughs) to, like, send him my phone number. And uh, he texted me, you know, he was also interested. We hang out a couple times and it becomes clear that we're compatible, you know, like I really wasn't looking for a boyfriend, but I was looking for a little bit of emotional connection and someone to you know, hook up with and snuggle with and curl up on the couch with. And he wanted all those things. And um, so it worked out well. And then we ended up so crazy. We went on one date and then he went on another date with a mutual friend of ours, this woman who I'm also really attracted to. And I didn't realize it was a date, so I kind of crashed it. Oh, man. And, um, <laughs> and long story short, it turned into a threesome. And the funny thing is that, like, in the wake of the threesome, the two of them had this dynamic where she felt a real connection with him, and I think she really wanted to date him. And he did not want to date Um, And so that made him more interested in me because I was, (laughs) you know, wanting to be non-monogamous and kind of open. And then I was like more interested in her. (laughs) I created this like really weird kind of uh, cycle of dissatisfaction amongst the three of us. Yeah, this like triangle. But happily, we're all still friends. And I think like he and I, like our relationship has, you know, maintained and strengthened over time. Yeah. so, it's a good note for any listeners. If you need a good bonding exercise for a friend, just find a threesome to get into together. Yeah, I, I endorse that. That's a very helpful. <laughs> it's very healthy. Very, you, you learn a lot about you. Very your, healthy. You know, yeah. Fellow threesome members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. So, so it sounds like you, you know, for someone who, I guess in, in the beginning, it sounded like you're someone who's like been a little bit sheltered in some ways when it comes to like to dating relationships because of the nature of yours and, you know, like long-term relationships and, and being married and whatnot. But I think it also sounds like you've been making up for lost time in a, in a quick way or a, an efficient way this past year. Um, I think there's an extent to which that's true. And there's also an extent to which, you know, I've always been a pretty open-minded person, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. even that's within true. relationships, there's space for exploration. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. I think that's interesting because maybe some people 
I don't know if I'd say they, they disagree, but maybe that's not, that's not always obvious to certain people. So I think that's interesting to explore. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I was in a really beautiful long-term relationship for most of my 20s. And um, we ended up um, opening up our relationship at a certain point. So we were together for five years. We actually lived together for five years. We moved in together really quickly. And, um, you know, we were traditional and monogamous for the first two years or so. And then I was in a fairly competitive graduate program where most of my, most of my colleagues were men. And I had gone to like a happy hour, you know, had a couple mm-hmm. of drinks, <laughs> came home. And uh, I ended up, you know, looking at my partner and saying to him, you know, sometimes I'm at a bar and I'm surrounded by all these men and I feel really insecure because I, I don't know if I'm flirting. You know, I have these, it crosses my mind, like I'll be talking to a colleague or something and sometimes, you know, I smile, I make eye contact. If you walked into the bar at that moment, would you be hurt? Like, <laughs> am I betraying you without meaning to? And we had a really um, open conversation about it, and turns out he was fine with it. And um, we realized that we wanted to be in each other's lives, not to hold each other back, but like to make each other feel safe and secure and um, therefore able to explore and take risks because of that security that was there. And that was wow. like an amazing realization we had with each other and it created so much space in our relationship not just to you know try things out sexually but also just to like feel more comfortable in our own skin and speaking for myself I I think that there is something in my personality that's a little bit flirtatious and before that conversation I was always so concerned with trying to hold it back you know to kind of demonstrate to the world, like, I'm committed to this relationship. And that is draining, um, and it made me feel flattened as a person. And so being able to have that open conversation with my partner and say, you know, like, I love you, I'm committed to you, and I also think it's fun to go to a bar sometimes and (laughs) flirt and giggle or whatever. Um, That was It was really just nice to have that kind of freedom. And then I think like getting that kind of understanding that that can be accepted or that's okay is, is one step. But then like, I think the second step when it becomes like all too real where this kind of a line is crossed is also interesting. Can you like get into the time where like, I don't know that you did cross that line after that. Was there a time where like, you know, maybe you brought someone home for the first time or they brought someone home for the first time. What was that like? Um, yeah, I can talk about that. To be honest in that relationship, it didn't, um, that moment didn't come. Um, it, it just worked well. I think our communication was was pretty strong around it. Um, but I will share that um, in the year after my divorce, when I was very committed to staying single, I um, <laughs> it was kind of funny, but I I became more and more interested in threesomes, like um, kind of spending time with couples. I felt mm-hmm. Like that would protect my independence and single dumb because they already had each other. So I thought they wouldn't really be trying to date me as much. And that's interesting. You, it's not just 
like threesomes in general. It's specifically you with a couple. Yeah, me okay. with a couple. Yeah, that's what I that's what I wanted um, because I I realized that um, in trying to date single men, you know, they wanted a girlfriend, and I wasn't. Um, I just wasn't prepared emotionally to offer that. So I thought mm. it would be better for everyone for me to, you know, yeah. find some wow. couples looking mm-hmm. for a unicorn. And I did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so I there was there was a period of time where I was dating this couple. I really liked them. I liked both of them. And um, that went really well for about three months. We had a really great time. And then it started to change. Um he was working a lot and I think she started to feel neglected and um, the communication in their marriage broke down or faltered to a certain extent. And um, we went on one date that was like terrible. It was just, it was a pretty disastrous date actually. Um, And, and it ended. So I think, you know, big piece of what happened there was that even though there had been this kind of prior buy-in that then because of the prior buy-in the husband got a little too excited and he wasn't picking up on the signals from his wife that was sort of saying like I'm not feeling good right now I'm not feeling very secure right now this is not the right moment to plan a date Mm -hmm. um And he was just kind of got carried away with it and it didn't go well. So I think that's something that can happen is, you know, we all go through cycles as people. We have times when we're feeling strong and exploratory and we have times when we're feeling kind of down and more insecure. And um, for couples that are interested in exploring non-monogamy and like different types of adventures sexually, I think, you know, it's important to have the overall, like, large-scale conversation, but then also to have smaller conversations. Does this feel good for you right now, today? Mm -hmm. Like, it's always something you have to be moderating because it's such, like, a kind of a touch of your sensitive, like, tightrope you're walking that you can't just say, oh, we talked about it, we're all good, and then just assume that's the case every day for the next three months or six months or lifetime or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, it sounds like. Yeah, and you really have to center your primary partner. You know, like I think the threesome relationship might have continued longer had the husband had the wherewithal to look at his wife in that moment and say, you know what, she's not she's not feeling great today. So I'm going to call Rachel and cancel on her. You know, like I I wish that they had canceled on me. Right. And also something you you talked about, like what led you to to seeking these kind of relationships is because you knew when you were dating like other men in general, Mm. they would kind of end up looking for a relationship, which is not something you necessarily wanted then. Mm. And it's, can you relate? Like, it's so interesting that I feel like if you're at a time where you are looking for a relationship, it's almost like you'd only find the opposite. It's like, usually like for a girl, like it's hard because so many guys she meets just don't want to take her seriously. They just want to kind of like date around and kind of like, you know, ghost you eventually. Mm. So it's almost like, you know, there's, I don't know if it sounds strange to me to hear like a girl having trouble meeting guys that that just want something casual. Um, Cause I feel like some, especially if you're like on certain apps and things, that's almost all, all you find. Um, so it almost seems like it's just the way the universe works. You can never get exactly what you want when you're looking for it in some ways. 
Yeah, what is that? It's it's such a funny, uh, <laughs> yeah, such a funny thing. Yeah, um, that's interesting. So then, mm-hmm. so then, um, let's see. What are so? Did you in this like, I guess period where you were shifting to being more single and just kind of like open to experiences? Were you like so many people today, like on the apps, as they say, and were you yeah. swiping around? Yeah, I I joined the apps. Um, some for a shorter periods, some for longer periods. Um, I do not like the apps. <laughs> I really don't <laughs> like that. Um, which is funny because I thought that I would love it, you know? Um, I will also say though, for someone who doesn't like the apps, not to, you know, come off too egotistical or anything, but I think I'm pretty good at the apps. <laughs> Fair. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've developed like a certain methodology for myself that I think works well. Oh wow! Do you want to? Is this a, like a proprietary methodology? Oh no, I am I am happy to share. In fact, I think everyone should adopt my methodology because it's <laughs> clearly epic. No, I mean I don't know, but um, I have certain things that are just like non-starters for me. Mm-hmm. So if somebody, <laughs> I mentioned earlier that I have a I have a pretty strong spiritual life. Mm-hmm. If somebody has written on their profile that they're atheist, that's just a solid mm-hmm. no. And it doesn't matter what other positive aspects they have that makes me curious. Um, I've just learned that that's, it's just something that I can't compromise on. I, I'm not attracted to people who, have, who are like, I'm firmly decided there is yeah. no God. It's like, it's right. just. And this is, yeah. And even if you were looking for someone just for like a fling or nothing serious, that still would go into that. I guess for a fling or nothing serious. No, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't care. But I also don't look, you know, I'm thinking right now of Hinge. I didn't go on places like Hinge to try to find people to do that with. I think that's a little bit disrespectful mm. because people who are in that venue are looking for something that at least is has a, I think, in general, at least has like a potential of going somewhere more. Mm-hmm. And so what I did when I was in that um, wanting to stay single places. I went to places where I thought I would find other people looking for that. So I went on Tinder and um, also Field, which is um, kind of a dating app for swingers. Oh, wow. I haven't even heard of that one. Oh, Field. yeah. Field. For anyone who's into like atypical sexual arrangements, swingers or uh, something kinky or whatever, <laughs> Field is a really great... Really Is it like course. like BYOP, like bring your own person that you have to like go in with uh, as a couple? Or oh no, I mean there definitely are couples there, and I think originally the app was created for that, like for swingers. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's really a place for let's say weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I say weirdo, you know, like with the, the in the best possible yeah. way, you know, <laughs> like just mm-hmm. people who are interested in having. Um, you know, sexual experiences that are not mainstream heteronormative. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yeah, so that was a nice, a nice little resource to discover. Um, and then I find it makes sense to kind of put what you're looking for out there. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like you always kind of we're so used to crafting like the perfect version of ourselves to like attract, like get the widest net basically. Mm-hmm. But then maybe there's something to be said about doing the opposite. Like instead 
be completely honest with exactly what you want and you might get less responses, but the ones you get are actually going to be what you want. That's what I think. I mean, particularly for women, I I know that my experience of being on online dating apps is just one of being inundated by men, you know? So I kind of want to put the parts of myself that matter forward because hopefully that will attract the men who are interested in me and make the men who actually are not interested in me realize that and, you know, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what are some of these things that you would like disclose about yourself? So obviously spirituality is really important. Um, Mm -hmm. What else are some of like the things that are maybe even a little more, I don't know, unique or, or worth like sharing up front, do you think? Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit kinky. And um, I definitely could not be in relationship with someone who was freaked out by that um, or was closed-minded about that. So I'm always careful to mention like open-mindedness in my profiles. Even <laughs> my Hinge profile has that word "open-minded" in it, which is meant to be like a signal. <laughs> um, oh, little signals, right? These know. little signals are, are pretty <laughs> crucial. Um, yeah, and then. I ultimately decided to use Hinge less and use Field more um, because I realized that I wanted to be in a space with other weirdos because I'm a weirdo. And uh, I think you know. we're all weirdos in some ways. It's just some of us haven't like recognized or like you know accepted it yet. Maybe, yeah, yeah. But I, I realized after going on enough and a first, second, third, maybe fourth dates with um, men I met on Hinge Uh that it was just really, really difficult to sort for um, kink on that, (laughs) you know, kind of mainstream dating platform. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I think if I just gloss over this, it'd be like maybe anyone listening might be like, come on, let's dig into this a little bit more. When you say like you're a little bit kinky, I think Mm. that's like a wide umbrella of what things could be oh it's Um, huge (laughs) so is there a specific thing that like when you say that you're alluding to um yeah I would say I'm like more dominant sexually than most women and I enjoy things like ropes and bondage and that kind of stuff so it's not it's not all straight men who want to be you know tied up and spanked and stuff like that and so I'm just trying to picture you like on your first hinge date trying to like you know parse out of this guy if if that's his bag or not yeah I mean I definitely would not pull that out on a first hinge date but I do sort for other things on first hinge dates like I, I source I sort for the uh the religion thing Mm, right and, because yeah. because if they're gonna if they want to be a, like let you tie them up god forbid they're an atheist right god forbid <laughs> yeah see <laughs> uh, exactly yeah. um so this is super interesting to me so say like what if these guys are just they don't know how to get off the first page like what if these hinge guys like i'm sure there are a ton of them that you're or i don't know how many you've been out with but mm-hmm. i'm sure there's some that'd be like yeah you know what if you were down to take me back to your place and tie me up right now i would be all over that but they're in this little box where they're like trying to be polite and, and, you know, respectful, like how, what would be the best way for you, for them to, to like, you know, get your attention, so to speak on that first date? Well, I think the goal for a man on a first date with me is less 
to get my attention and more to just like not totally repulse me, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which happens a lot. I mean, to a certain extent, there's really nothing that you can do or can't do. Like there's there's a level at which it comes down to physical attraction. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, if I'm not physically attracted to you, it doesn't matter if you're a perfect match kink-wise. I don't want to touch you. (laughs) I think that's a fair point. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, that's definitely something that I'm sorting for on a first date, but it also has to do with just kind of personality. Like, how do you speak and what, what's your general orientation to the world? I don't know that there's a tip for first dates. It's just feel the other person out i would say one thing though um when men are too forward on the first date that to me is a huge red flag yeah that's Um, interesting i think that makes sense but i think it wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily maybe expect that coming from like this situation so that's that's i think worth knowing yeah i definitely um would caution men against that kind of first date lay it all on the line thing unless there's a really special connection you know unless unless you knew each other from somewhere out in the world and there's been an ongoing vibe and, you know, then on a first yeah. date, maybe you say, you know, I really, really interested in you, but mm-hmm. just meeting from the internet. Yeah. And then, okay. So how do you, if this isn't someone you've met on field or, or what it is, mm-hmm. um, how do you eventually drop like a reveal to them? Like you're, you're a little bit more wilder side. Uh, when does that come up? And, and that'd be, I think that's interesting to, to learn about. Oh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, Well, I've had like a range of experiences around that, to be honest. Um, One of the first men who I tried to date um, about a year ago now, so this was still in the period that I wanted to stay single, but I met someone uh, who I just really, really vibed with. Um, I met him, you know, in, in my religious community. And we started spending time together and he had all of these qualities that I really um, look for in a partner. You know, I was attracted to him and he was funny and musical and loved to read Torah, which is a super dorky thing that I also like to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, I was really into him. And when I did come out to him as, you know, interested in the kinds of things that I was interested in, he was... I'm pretty freaked out, pretty freaked out and tried to get on board with it and even asked me to like, you know, like paint him a scene, like pitch him ideas. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think the kink thing he could have gotten on board with, um, but my interest in non-monogamy was just completely um, unacceptable to him. And so he broke up with me and I was, I was pretty devastated, truthfully. Yeah, fair. But it sounds mm-hmm. like, um, so you're like quite an enigma as a person because there's like these different pieces of you that you wouldn't normally expect to exist within. I mean, this is being super stare, like judgmental, I guess, on my part, but you wouldn't expect to see them from the same person. So you're someone who is like on the one hand or on one surface level, this kind of spiritual religious person, even not just spiritual, where you have like, this kind of, like you said, this kind of religious circle or group that you would be a part of. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side, you're like in the field app and you're doing these other things and you wouldn't normally expect these two worlds to like coexist. And I think it would be like, I can imagine it'd be hard for me to find someone in the field app who's down to go read Torah one day. And I feel like it'd be hard to find someone 
in my tour study group who's down to join field with me and you know tie up some strangers. You know uh, what's funny about this yeah. is yeah. I have I honestly have had the same thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. And that was a narrative that I held for a while. But what I've learned is it's completely untrue. Yeah. <laughs> it's completely untrue. Yeah. Like religious people are just as freaky as non-religious people actually. And um, I'll share a couple stories with you. Sure. One is I met this really nice Jewish boy at synagogue. And um, I, you know, first time I saw him, my first thought was, oh, he's cute. I wonder if he's single kind of a thing. And um, our relationship grew over time. And it became clear that he was really interested in me romantically, Um, was like straightforward with me about it, asked me out. I liked him. And also I'm aware of the fact that I actively cultivate a certain image in my religious community. Um, And I don't want to out myself in that community very easily. So I was kind of standoffish with him. And months went by and I told him things like, I'm not feeling ready to date. Um, You know, I think you seem nice, but I'm not totally there yet. I was just kind of like pushing him off until (laughs) maybe six months into this dynamic that we had where he would, you know, continue to to let me know that he was interested and available if I ever felt the interest also. He um he just brought up kink himself wow. and <laughs> mentioned that he was into it. Mm-hmm. And I was totally floored. And I asked him like, "Why did you bring that up?" <laughs> he goes, oh, "You know, honestly, I saw your field profile months Whoa. ago." <laughs> And um, he just hadn't brought it up with me. And the funny thing is, like, he's not the only one. You know, I am close enough with enough people in my religious community to know, like, a whole bunch of them are really kinky. And uh, those are just the ones that I happen to be close enough to that they would tell me. Yeah. So I think, I think um, more people are freaky than we think. And it's not actually as much as a, of a contradiction. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You never know what's happening behind <laughs> those doors. <laughs> yeah. I'll never look at like a church or a synagogue congregation the same way again. <laughs> yeah, totally. There's even, um, there's this dominatrix that uh, splits her time between New York and LA and she bills herself as the Jewish dominatrix. Mm-hmm. And her whole shtick is that she, she doms people completely in Yiddish. oh man that's an experience yeah anyway (laughs) i guess she came out of the like brooklyn community Mm -hmm. yeah wow yeah um so let's see it's hard to find a segue to go where to go next from that but that's super (laughs) insightful Um, (laughs) a little piece of trivia for you (laughs) yeah um so so as you're kind of crafting yourself and your story and and you know what currently like you you know satisfies you where do you see yourself going next on this journey like are you someone like in 30 years from now do you think you're still going to be someone who like is not is not satisfied with like a long-term monogamous relationship or no you know Mm -hmm. honestly what I would love is to find someone to have a partnership with I really Mm -hmm. love partnership and and intimacy and um like building with somebody over time you know, I have that experience of being in a really long-term committed relationship 
And it's one that um, was like really nourishing and beautiful and something that I want for myself for sure. Um, I actually, you know, like I would like to meet someone who's similar to me, um, who I feel like I could journey with in a certain way. Um, and I actually have met someone pretty recently who I really feel like a compatibility with. Mm. Um, yeah. And I feel really re- grateful for that because there was definitely a while there where I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so weird. How am I going to find someone to match me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really fresh, but I definitely am feeling hopeful. Yeah. Wow. I think anything that like, can give you hope is the key to, to like, I guess, just the next step that we all want to take in some ways. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to say, so what, you kind of alluded to it in some way, in like a little bit, but what, um, in this like realm, this department, what scares you the most as far as just like your, you know, relationships and, and your love life goes or that, that journey we're all on when it comes to that? What scares me the most? Oh, what a beautiful question. (laughs) Um, I think the thing that scares me the most is, um, like emotional abandonment. Um, that's what happened in my marriage, truthfully, the marriage that didn't work out. I was so hopeful. I mean, obviously I married him. Um, but even from the beginning of that relationship, there were big parts of myself that I was hiding. I just wasn't comfortable with them and I didn't want him to see them. I, I knew that he, um, had me on a pedestal and saw, a really beautiful whitewashed version of me and I liked that hmm. and I I liked looking at myself in that way through his eyes the thing it's is kind of, yeah oh, sorry. I was just gonna say it's kind of like I don't know if you've ever seen uh that show Marvelous Miss Maisel where they show like every night before like after the husband goes to bed or she wears makeup and then when he husband falls asleep she goes and takes the makeup off and then before he wakes up she goes and puts the makeup on so he, the husband never ever sees her without makeup even if that wasn't the case in reality for you mm-hmm. it's like he always like had this idea of you that always had the makeup on yes way. absolutely and i think there there are aspects of that that resonate with me mm-hmm. <laughs> um and that's on me you know that's on me cuz i wasn't brave enough really um to be authentic with him I was just, I think I was afraid of um, him not wanting me and I wanted him. Um, But the problem with that is that you set up a relationship where you're not um, being vulnerable with each other. You're putting on a show for each other and that's not uh, sustainable. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it just didn't go very well. I think I, I was holding back and he retreated and we couldn't find each other again. You know, the Mm -hmm. connection was lost. And um, that's something that that really scares me. So now my goal is just to be totally authentic. So I'll I'll give you an example of what that means, which I find Mm -hmm. actually kind of hilarious. Um, Mm -hmm. With my ex-husband in that relationship, I did do kind of the Miss Maisel thing of, uh, wanting to always be beautiful in his eyes. So, you know, I would wear makeup and I would, um, I was always very careful to like never have any body hair, for example. Um, Mm -hmm. Always look nice. And 
um, when I met this this most recent person that I've met, uh, who I've only very recently started to call boyfriend, <laughs> um, uh-huh. I I didn't I didn't wax my legs. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I just like it for some reason and I don't know why but like for the first like month of our knowing each other and, and kind of getting acquainted sexually and all these things I I just didn't do that <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and uh-huh. um you know it sounds kind of like a funny thing like oh she's got hairy legs like big whoop but mm-hmm. uh to me it actually felt significant because I wanted I wanted to make sure that, um, you know, he was really into me. And somehow yeah. that became like a symbol of that. Yeah. Like this, like each strand is this little tiny symbol of like growth in, in yourself and like <laughs> what you know you're looking for. Or even yeah. just that he would be okay with me being imperfect. Yeah. Oh. And I take it he was totally okay with you being imperfect, if we even want to call it that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we definitely had some laughs about it. <laughs> um, but, uh-huh. yeah, he was. He was like, you're so hot. Like, how can I complain about this like little uh-huh. thing? Uh-huh. Um, and That's that was, great. you know, definitely felt affirming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think as we're, like, kind of getting towards the end of our time today, first of all, this has been such, like, I think a, a really authentic and genuine conversation so thank you for being so insightful and and forthcoming with everything um but on that note um what i want to say is do you have like a so you've had this journey and we're all you're obviously still on this journey like we all are to an extent but do you have a like one kind of pulled piece of wisdom or thought that you've learned from everything that you're still holding true to um moving forward yeah that you can share with us definitely i think um the biggest piece of wisdom that I've learned is that you really can't hide from yourself or from other people. Like there's no way forward other than to be really honest with yourself about who you are and what you want. And anytime you try to tell some other story because you're more comfortable with it. So for example, if you're a woman, you really want a boyfriend like, don't ever tell another story. <laughs> like, don't tell the story that I'm cool just to hook up with this guy. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Um, and those are the types of lies that, like, really we can hurt ourselves with. Oh, yeah. No, I think that makes sense. And it's sometimes, like, the things that are that make the most sense or seem obvious, like, it, you need to hear it, you know, and it needs to be said because it's, it's like almost too obvious to just kind of, like, just filter through your head. So I think it's nice to put it that way. And uh, yeah, wise words, Rachel. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, great. So, yeah, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Any other tidbits or our last, uh, you know? Um, no, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me on. It's such an honor to get to be part of this, and I really respect what you guys are doing with, you know, trying to help people find connections in this world that can be so isolating. Yeah, I think uh, it definitely can be, and I think people like you opening up and just kind of being agreeing to be this vulnerable open book is like having a good you know a good lesson to learn and a place to start for all of us so um yeah thank you again so much rachel for coming on and to our listeners thank you for listening and uh, we will see you next time thanks